Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will Broncos fans, and welcome to the Round 5 Review, Round 6 Preview episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch, and I'm joined online by our good friend Simo. How you doing, Simo? Well, I'm far enough away from the Tigers game and far <laughs> enough away from the Raiders game that I'm not too bad. How about yourself? <laughs> well, mate, you just come off a touch win, no doubt, but I'll come off a touch loss, so I'm still in a pit of misery. And everyone sucks. My, my footy team sucks. My new touch team sucks. Everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we played pretty average. We only won 11-4 or something, so not not the greatest performance. But I actually, I got I don't normally get mad at the refs because, like, whatever, we win easily and everything. But I, I, I never, like, run a line. Like, uh, you know, a gap will pop up. I never hit that line, but I did tonight. I just ran at this gap, and the guy, a little short pass to me, sprint two-thirds of the field, and then just as I'm putting the ball down, the ref blows the whistle for a late pass back up the field. And I'm like, mate, oh you've got to call it earlier than that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And oh it was only because we were up like 10 to 4 or something. Like, you know. If, Classic. If it was the other way around, he probably would have blown the try. So just give me my try. <laughs> right? Let him, let's let the boys have it, mate. It's 10 to yeah. 4. Let, let us go. have fun. Yeah, we have this. Yep. In this comp we play, it's because it's, like, it's Tower L, so it's got like a, a markup. The ten, it's actually like a 10, it's not a 5, like in touch. But this one referee yep. we have is like he's like 80, and he sits about a 3 metre. And we had him tonight, <laughs> and the problem with that though is that he'll just decide offside whenever he feels like it, rather than like if you're actually offside. So like sometimes you, you play at marker right, and I, I, I try to, because my team sucks, I really try to bring energy, like in defence all the time, so I, I shoot a lot, I push out a marker all the time. And at the amount of times, he called me offside like 7 times today for a marker, and I'm like, mate, I'm the marker. I can't be offside. Like, <laughs> but that's it. Then if then I get in trouble for talking back, it's like, mate, but I can't be offside. Like, I was at marker. I couldn't have gone early from the 10 because I was at marker. But just every time I spoke back to him, I was in trouble. And at the end of the Classic. game, he, he called me. Like, at one point, they played the ball and um, they didn't have a dummy half. And I went around and picked the ball up. And you're allowed to do that, obviously. And he called me offside for that too. And fuck, I stared a hole in him. Like it's like, oh, I want, I want to say some things to you right now, you old fool, you stupid. Like, oh. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, whatever. So it's like, if, if you get because he's so old and so you get punished for playing at speed. So it's just like, whatever. What's the point of playing? It's the whole game's about playing at speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like great. So we, we lost one nil. Sorry, two nil. And the try, the try they scored was one of those classic ones, like first set of the game that one of our guys wasn't paying attention. They just don't, you know they do like the, the dive and score at your feet. Yeah, yeah. And then because the game's so slow from there, nothing happens. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> old man playing at his face. 
I think we had of our 11 tries tonight, 10 of them were just one of our players running from dummy half from our end of the field. And yeah. one of them, we just threw the ball around a lot and yeah. <laughs> created an overlap eventually. But yeah, most of pretty much everything we do just comes from Brody running from half because he's really, really quick. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, my team's terrible and we deserve to lose anyway. But this old man ref, I, you know, I'm starting to get the feels. I feel like I'm James Graham out there now. <laughs> got, my, got my hands behind my back, but my face isn't saying I'm happy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, that, that bent finger pointing yeah. at you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got the bent finger in his face. Oh, I'm not pointing at you, but I'm kind of pointing at you. you oh. <laughs> uh. Terrible. Anyway, let's move on to something else that's terrible. Uh, so, Thursday night, last Thursday, thank God it's one of we're not playing Thursday this week. But anyway, the uh, West Tigers 22 defeated the Brisbane Broncos 16. Uh tries for us to Matt Gillett right at the start. Uh, Cody Nicarima in the 60th minute, and then with the boot, the cycle was perfect. Two from two conversions, two from two penalty goals. Uh, over on the Tigers side, uh, Luke Agana, Matt Eisenhuth, and Michael Cheekham scored tries, and Esan Masters also perfect with the boot. In, I mean, come on, I mean, we lost this game, but it's like they didn't even hurt at this point now. Then when it happened, we lost at the end. I just expected it after how we played the first four rounds. I don't know about you, but that ending, I was like, yep, yeah, of course, of course that happened. <laughs> yeah, I hate Darius Boyd. So. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, it's just, uh, we'll start there. We can't not start there, right? The, the last play of the game. And it was just like, I know I know Boyd has copped it, but it was bad from like six of our players. And in round five, in a game you're up, in a game you had a set, like two minutes earlier that started the opposition half, to lose it like that. It's just like, it's just one of the things, just finding ways to lose games. It's miraculous how we're finding ways to lose these bloody fixtures. I just, I don't get how there's two minutes left and we get a scrum on the, in the middle of the field, on the 50 line, and you can't bang over a field goal in that set. Like, Macca has played how many games but if you put me at number nine there I could direct that side to be like left of the post 10 metres out and throw it to a Sarko you know what the worst thing by the way Simo is that I've read today that the club spoke about it that the, play, the playmaker spoke about it I don't know if you've seen the article and they spoke about how like they, they discussed the set of the scrum like they, there was, they had a field goal set planned apparently and that's what happened after they had planned for the field goal set at the scrum it's like, you're kidding me. It's not I literally crazy. hate every person in my team. It's just not like... You know, one of those sets is, is excusable sometimes when you're like... If you looked at... Say you looked at Parramatta, you could cop it because their spine is like Reed Marnie and ja- Jamin Salmon. Jamin Salmon who have like 10 games between them. And then Mitch Moses and Gutherson who aren't that experienced either. You kind of understand if, if they had a set go awry. If you look at our team and it's like every single one of you is experienced in the spine. You can't cop... Like, I love Milford, but you can't cop inexperience there. You can't cop it from Nicarima. He's the bloody New Zealand halfback. And then you've got 500-plus games between Boyd and, and McCulloch. And they couldn't organise a fucking TV dinner in this game. Yeah, I, that, like, what, I don't know what else you'd say. They're all terrible footballers. Yeah. Like, Mate, if you I put know, the Capra's spine in their place for that set, they'd finish that game off better than the Broncos did. Yep, and in this set, they so you know how Osaka went back to the wing? They didn't say, he didn't say who said it, but he got sent back to the wing on tackle three or four by one of the playmakers. It's okay. 
So they decided it wasn't a field goal set. The playmakers did. Then what the hell happened on tackle five? Uh. <laughs> I, I was like, what if this article came out? I'm like, why have you put this out there? And they're like, oh, we worked in our field goals today at training, though. Duh. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> only, lost bit... two ga- only lost us two games so far. Yeah, it's a bit shutting the gate after the horse has gone, eh? But... It is. It's like, my, the, the, the next horse we get. <laughs> oh, yeah. we get next week because we're really bad as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah like so they didn't say who told who told him but so anyway when they went to the scrum Darius Boyd called the set apparently that's his call He's, it's their go-to field goal sets and then on tackle four they sent Osako away because they called they called at some point my other set play that didn't happen so <laughs> I don't know who's calling these plays and why they're not not working, but yeah. So there's some people are kind of listening, I guess. Which is Sarko listened. He came in for the field goal, and then he came, went out to a set play when he went out there, and nobody went to him either occasion. But yeah, it's just it's just a typification. Once you once I, he saw the set happen and it was terrible, and then I read now the the breakdown of what happened. It's like well that this explains our entire season so far, doesn't it? Yeah, I just, I've been thinking about this, and I think all the teams I support in all different sports, there's just some players I love, and they their careers just get ruined by the players all around them. Like, yeah. <laughs> AJ, AJ Green is amazing on the Bengals, and yet his whole career is ruined by some Ronald McDonald lookalike in the number 14 jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Lynn at the Brisbane Heat is like, like everyone loves Chris Lynn, and yet his whole career at the Big Bash is being ruined by our death bowlers that can't like finish off a finish off a game at all. Um, the Gold Coast Suns have had like eighty three of them, including Gary Ablett. Like we wasted half of his career, and now you got, at the Broncos, you've got some players you like, and it's just like when <laughs> it's it's never going to happen. That's it. We're just we're never winning a premiership. Yeah, it's just like, oh my, that set, and like, it wasn't just that set, it was many of the sets. There's another set early in the first half that, oh, we, yeah. all, this, we all know This is happened. the bad one. <laughs> yeah, this is like, it was, we had like four or five sets in a row on their goal line, and we were, we were dominating them through the middle. We kept getting down their end, and we also won a few penalties on the back of that domination. But there's one particular set that even though on the last sack we got a repeat, it's like, a, it was a disgraceful set. It was like, we had a penalty on the right-hand side 20 metres out, and immediately from that penalty... All the playmakers go left. So Nicarima goes left, Milford goes left, and Boyd goes left. So the entire team stacks left-hand side of the field. So you think, oh, here we go. They've got a, they've got a set play that's going to go left. Perfect. They've, they've, they've planned it out. And then, you know, tackle one, hit up. Like, yeah, it's of course. They're just, you know, they're setting for the set play on the left. Like, okay, tackle two. McCulloch looks left before, before the play the ball. Decide, mm, let's go right. <laughs> goes right. To uh to to Nicarima on the right on tackle two I think it is. No no sorry he goes no sorry he goes first hit up with the kick of the tap sorry then he goes hit up to Flegler at the post so anything set plays on left but it's not so he goes back right to Nicarima and you're like well that wasn't a great play but we've still got this stacked left hand side with you know everyone's there we've got numbers you've got uh, Darius and Milford on the far left. McCulloch goes himself from dummy half on tackle three like. Okay, I guess next one. Feeney goes himself for tackle four. And then tackle five. 
They go right again to Nikorima, who somehow... Like, there was three blokes on the blind. He somehow puts a decent kick in Grubber in behind and then tackles him by in goal and saves a terrible set with one of the rare good Nikorima kicks. But I watched it on the night, tore my hair out, watched it again. When you watch it in review, you're like, what the fuck is going on? How is the how is the ball not getting into Anthony Milford's hands? And uh, it's obviously McCulloch, number one, but also number two at this point. Like, Milford at tackle three should be going off full Mitch Moses style. Give me the fucking ball. <laughs> I mean, for feeder aside, Andrew, is McCulloch like the dumbest player in rugby league? <laughs> well, there is Josh McGuire still. <laughs> oh, that's true. So he's like bottom five. But it wasn't the only set like that. Hey, there were some other sets when McCulloch just kept going, hitting forwards at either post, like left and right, hoping a forward barge over when we had the back line set to the left. What Mate, we doing? know Macca, Macca loves a barge over try. He does. He's back. 2013 McCulloch's back. Thank God. That's what I wanted. That is. But it's like, and I know our attack has been inept a lot of this season, but actually in this game, when we did go left, we actually looked like scoring. We just never bloody went there. Like, we had that situation. I know the first try wasn't a, a perfect set play left, obviously, but we went left and Bird made something happen because, you know, he's a good player. He came back right, we scored. We had that that we had that occasion. We had another occasion we went left when we had the, the try taken off of us when we went left, when we had uh, the obstruction call. We had another one we went left when we created a 2-on-2 for Darius Ball and he just succumbed. But that was like the whole time we went left. Oh, and the other one, the fourth time we went left was when, Dar- when D- Jack Bird bombed the try. That was like the only four times we went left the entire time we were in the other team's half. And we were like, scoring off all four of them. But the rest of the time, McCulloch was like, you know, if, if we haven't had a forward crash over in the first 14 attempts, the 15th they won't expect. I mean, statistically, you're going to get some forwards crash over eventually. <laughs> so if you just keep you going, it'll happen. Yeah. Just, and then, and then it was the thing. We did that the whole like first thirty minutes of the game. It felt like, and we only had an eight point lead. I don't know how you were feeling at home, but I was sitting in my house. And I was thinking they're going to score before half time, aren't they? They're going to we're going to go in eight six up, and that's all going to be gone. And what a shock! They scored just before half time with another embarrassing try we conceded that was all about effort. The Tigers didn't break our defense once down the entire game. Yet they scored three tries. They couldn't get through us at all. But then tackle five, we got lazy in all three all three occasions, and they scored. Terrible. Yeah, that one with the kick, and then he just offloaded. That just, I, you could see it coming, couldn't you? Like you just knew that was going to happen. There was three blokes holding him, and none of them holding the ball. Yeah, you, you <laughs> knew an offload was coming, and it's... our team has got so bad at those small things, Simo. That when I want to watch other teams, I'm now envious when I watch people wrap the ball in defence, or when I watch like. People just try. I was envious of the Titans the night after because, like, when the game got tough towards the end, Titans started putting on heaps of pressure and defense, and I was envious of the fucking Titans. Yeah, let's not get <laughs> carried away, eh? <laughs> no, obviously I'm not envious of them long term, but that one game was like, oh, look at them, they're putting in. <laughs> Isn't that well, interesting? I mean, I'm just happy. As bad as we are, we're still better than the three teams I hate. So, you know, like... <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. And, I mean, and why can't... What, Imagine the barge over tries we could play if we versed the Knights with their middle defence. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, thank God they, they still exist, hey. Like, that um that try they conceded for Noah Blake back up the middle with no one within Cooey. Mate, McCullough could set that up all day. <laughs> is that, like, one of the worst tries you've ever seen? It is. It's definitely for where the scoreline was, time of the season kind of thing right up there too. Those tries only happen when a team's down like by, like, 50. 
they've just given up. It's like that that game was close at that point. Yeah, I loved it though. Oh, it was great. But like, and and the worst thing about this game is like our forward pack beat their forward pack up, and just again, it doesn't matter. Like Painhouse was sensational in this game, and he didn't really get any any plaudits after it because we lost. And yes, he missed a tackle on that last on that last um, try that, that that the Tiger scored. But he had his first start. He played sixty four minutes. He took seventeen runs, one hundred sixty seven meters. That's almost ten meters a run. And he made forty five tackles. And only missed two. Like he worked his bloody ass off. And I can say that fitness everyone talks about. But like you know, he played great. Uh, I thought Matt Lodge, despite the couple the two mistakes he made. Or three mistakes made, sorry. I thought he had a good game too, outside of those, you know. I thought Dave Fafita was great off the bench and he played 56 minutes off the bench because he had to come off with Gillette on the edge. He was great as well. Like, we dominated the full battle and it didn't matter. I mean, it's just... It's very similar to a lot of games last year where, you'd, again, yeah, we'd dominate, we'd win in the forwards and just the spine and is just letting them down. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... We all know about the the last play with Darius. It's just like he, hearing him getting praised post match is like offensive at this point. <laughs> I just like this is Peyton Manning esque. How quick this drop off and how bad it has been, just like from one year to the next. Yeah, but then you just see you get named again. You're just like, okay, I guess I guess we're doing this again. I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> Yeah, why not? Who cares? Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, and it's just... It's one of those things... It, you asked us on Broncos Weekly this question. That's her and Boom Rookie's question. But it's like, why is it so hard sometimes when it seems like everybody can see this? Why is well, see, it so hard? Like, the question I was asking, a lot of times people want a change, but the fans aren't really in consensus on what the change should be, right? Yeah. Like... But this is one literally everyone agrees on and pretty much everyone agrees that Asako should be the option, including, like, not just Broncos fans, like, the general rugby league public. And it just is that obvious, but it's we're stuck with this fella. Yep. It's great. Oh, and by the way, you know I mentioned not wrapping the ball up earlier? We've, con- we've conceded the most off- offloads in the competition by a distance. We've conceded 69 offloads. We concede 14 a game. The Knights conceded six, concede six offloads a game. We concede 14. Oh, but thank like, God for Harvard Tony and his effort plays, mate. Yeah, I know. Like, we hear about these bloody effort plays too. It's like, those are the, it's, isn't that not the easiest thing? Like, hey, when there's like three of us in the tackle, let's one of us put our hand on that ball there. <laughs> Just <laughs> like, like that little round thing that the whole game is based around. Let's like, let's shut that down. Yeah, and that's the thing really frustrating about you keep hearing about these efforts. It's like, you know, other random stats were last in like, We're last in possession. We had the least ball in the competition, for example. We're last in support players. We had the like we had the least players active when the when they haven't got the ball. Like that's effort stuff, mate. That's support plays and the wrapping the ball up. We're not very good in kick pressures either. Like we're it's just it's not good. The effort's not there. And like when the system's not working, like it's not. And I know the guys are learning new things. Early in the season you win games based on effort, and that's what the Tigers did to us. They were not good. But they stayed in the game and then, you know, Josh Reynolds in that second half pretty much just kicked the ball. All he did was, like, kick to the corners, chase really hard, and then he pushed his defense's line speed really hard too. That's all he did, and he was, like, the best player on the field in the second half. Darius Boyd makes it look like he's got 13 corners to kick to as well, though. Like, he can't cover everything. 100%. 
Yeah, 100%. We've, you know, we've got... We can see the second most run meters in the comp. We have the least post-contact meters in the comp. Like, we're right down up down the bottom or up the top of the worst stats pretty much everywhere. Which is not good. <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. You know, we're near Imagine. the bottom of time spent in the opposition half as well, you know? It's just like... We're winning the... They've win, we've won fuck all penalties. We're second last and penalties won as well. Like... You know, that's it. If you're pushing hard through tackles, if you're fighting for a quick play of the ball, you know, you'll have better post-contact meters and you'll force, you'll win more penalties because you're actually pushing when you've got the ball. And then if you've got more support players and attack, you'll have, you know, we'll have more things will happen too. We'll, we'll score more points. But all these basic things are just not doing. And you hear about, we'll go in the press conference and you hear about effort plays though, hey. You just hear about it, so I guess it'll happen. Yeah, eventually they'll start playing at 125%. Yeah, eventually, yeah. <laughs> and the team we're playing this week, by the way, is like the opposite end of like all these things. They've conceded they've conceded the least meters in the comp because their defense and their line speed's been great, for example. But whatever. So I don't know. Like there just seems to be so many things wrong with this team, and I know winning winning can resolve a lot of problems. But like I don't know how many games they have to win for me to have faith in in the spine we're running out at the moment. Honestly, I don't have any confidence even in winning any game at the moment. Like, I'll just have a look at the ladder. But there's probably about three teams we could line up against, and I think, yeah, we could win this. The, the three below us and the two above us on the ladder. So, to me, it's Panthers, Knights, Titans, Cowboys, Bulldogs. I'm like, and maybe the Sharks, too, because they've got some injuries. And that's a, like I'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a good match, but... Even with saying that with Cowboys and Titans, probably not if they weren't rivals. You know how like usually the form book yeah. will go out the window and teams play different. Like look how we played against the Cowboys, you know. Yeah. Um, Canterbury always beat us, so that one's out. Yeah, so luckily we've got we've got Canberra this week, and then we've got Cronulla next week, then we have the Rabbitohs, Manly, uh, and the Roosters and the Warriors. The Warriors love taking us to New Zealand. The Warriors just for origin too, which is great. No, prime. Prime. Yeah, so we get to play the Knights in round 15 when they have a new coach. They don't suck. That's going to be, you know, great. I mean, you have to play them in the first six rounds to play them with Nathan Brown, so... Yeah, you do. Yeah. I think things will turn around. I think we will finish in the top eight, but it's like... Do you, do you sack Wayne Bennett to finish in the top eight? Yeah, that's what I aim for in my life, is just mediocrity. It is, yeah. All this talk about this team and... I know that they're young and the pack is young, but the, the I know and the pack has made some mistakes in terms of second efforts and their and their defence at the back end of the games. But a lot of the times we should have the game should have been over by the time we got to the end of the game anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. Like this game should have been up by twenty four at half time. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. Yes, I don't know. I don't know, and then you watch the game, Nick Rem has a nice run at the end, you're like, well, there we go. He's he's in. <laughs> like, they're not going to change anything now. I'll tell you, he's the Sean Marsh of the Broncos. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah, he's just constantly just pulling off plays that, yeah, they're nice, but then they're, they're just covering over cracks of, like, a much worse footballer underneath. Yeah, 100%. Well, not, then, yeah, yeah. No, I get you completely. And like, I think Nick Rima probably could function as a six somewhere else. And Milford obviously functions six as well, but just together it's terrible. It's the same thing if you when you have a team when you have two guys who are just pure halfbacks, it doesn't seem to work either, you know. 
but whatever. And then you've got Darius Boyd, who has been so bad this year now that commentators are praising him for purely just trying. He catches a bomb, they're like, oh, look at Darius Boyd ripping in for his team. We should try swapping the jerseys on Nick Arima and Melford. That might work. Oh, mate. Lockyer, mate. Lockyer, stop. <laughs> don't, don't do this to me post your career. Wasn't that a dumb suggestion? <laughs> uh, I just, that might be one of the dumbest... Actually, Brad Fittler had the dumbest quote, but that might be one yeah. of them. Well, I mean, it didn't get past the brains trust at Harvard, at least. They didn't, they didn't think it was the right solution. At least they didn't fall for that crap, but... Whatever. Oh. And I will read one thing. I know people listen to Boom Rookies often, but I will read out my bloody Boyd prediction because why not? It's one thing I enjoyed from this game. But before this game, I was talking on, on Twitter with some other Broncos fans, as you do. Predict, and we're talking about Darius Boyd again. As you and do. Anyway, as you do. As you do. And about at 4.38 it was, 39, sorry, that ga- day of that game, I tweeted this exactly. I said, I just want to see him literally lay down next time someone's through. If they break through without support and the downfield with no referee in sight, he will have no choice. He can't fall for a fake dummy. He can't turn to the ref. He will have to literally lie down. And it it happened. That's just what he is now. Like I remember seeing that tweet as you posted it, and I was like, that's just impossible. Like, it's too far out there to be real. It can't happen. But here we are. Yeah. And then it happened, and, like, I don't know, what do you say? I was obviously just... Of course it happened. Of course that, you know, as I said, he couldn't look fall for a fake dummy. There was no referee for him to turn and appeal at for something. He just had to hit the deck. <laughs> oh, whatever. If that, by the way, that slip over doesn't show you how much his athleticism has gone. I don't know what he is. Like, me or you, anybody can do that down at, when you play local touch, can stop when they're running one direction. You have studs in your shoes. It's not like you're yeah. running in the wet with thongs on. You literally have shoes designed for stopping and changing direction. Yeah. Also, like, this is what I don't get right. Mm-hmm. I, st- I was playing reserve grade AFL in Capricornia here, and the first game I played, the guy's like, okay, so when you go into a tackle, watch the hips. Like, as Shakira said, the hips don't lie. Watch those. You'll see where the bloke's running and just hit him. Like, how does Boyd not doing that? How many games of football has he played at all of the levels... And he doesn't know to watch the hips. Like, ugh. Yeah, like, it's not that difficult, is it? <laughs> it I, did, I get so mad when they stuff up things that an under-14s team wouldn't stuff up. That just really gets to me. And if you watch that play again, like, Boyd is just... Real, he, he's all over the shop, too. He, like, at one point, he's running to pressure the kicker. Then he runs to the wrong... He's just running everywhere to avoid where the ball actually is. <laughs> then they broke through and he's like, oh shit, I'm back here again. Whatever. Cool, let's fun. talk about it's something good. else. And then uh, one thing as well, like I know Jack Bird bombed that try, but he he still might be our best player this season, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I didn't see too many people getting up him for that. But like, yeah, it sucks, but he has been pretty good this season. So, you know, he's got more of some wiggle room than the rest of them. Yeah, he did a great job on SR Masters, I thought. He, he showed in the outside often, and then, but 
nothing could happen then if you get me like SR Master isn't burning you on the outside so pretty quite often he run him, ran him into corners and he and SR forced a dumb offload to Mahe Fenua but that was smart from Bird and then even in the game the field goal said he was the only person who like thought you know what let's run towards the other team's try line nah, <laughs> like he can't had that be nice, having that man yeah he had that, that nice 15 metre dummy half run it's like well there at least Jack Bird understood let's straighten it up and go that direction so he I thought he was good all night it's unfortunate he's bombed two tries in two weeks but yeah, you know, I, it's quite funny to be in a spot this year that I have faith in Jack Bird over my, over half of my team. Honestly, Jack Bird is one of my favourite players this year, and it's based on nothing than just he is trying hard. Like that's what yes. he's doing. He's and, slogging his guts out. You know, he's making he's yeah, as you said, he's bombed some couple tries, but the rest of these guys are just not putting the effort in that he's putting the effort in. Yeah, you know, he bombed the try and he actually supported someone, which is rare. For us, because nobody ever pushed to the middle at all, <laughs> like, at all. But Dave Fafita's effort too was quite good. Unlucky bombing that try. It is, it is funny though, because you know most of the time a forward would get absolutely hammered for doing that, but he nailed the kick so well. Everyone, everyone just accepted it was a good play. <laughs> but, yeah. But he bombed yeah. That, but yeah. I don't know. It's just yeah. Let's go and talk about the next game because it's going to be much better talk than this one. <laughs> than this, I'm sure. I'm sure we just blend into the same thing. Okay. Um, I mean. It's basically the same thing, but we're just talking in future tense, not past tense, about various <laughs> points. So. Yeah, we'll have more predictions about how Cook the is. <laughs> um, no news this week, because I'm not talking about Greg Inglis to the Broncos. So Yeah, there's only about 17 articles on all the ways that we, he could have come to the Broncos. <laughs> uh, all the planes that weren't flying in the rain. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, we'll move on to next week, this week. So we get one of our very, very rare Sunday games. And of course, it's not in Brisbane, but... Anyway, Sunday at 4.05pm, the Brisbane Broncos take on the Canberra Raiders at J.O. Stadium and on Easter Sunday after all. Anyway, the history between the clubs, 53 games between the two, 32 wins for us, 19 losses and two draws. Is it two draws? No, one draw. But uh, anyway, the, the Broncos team with Simo hit me with it. Um, I have put in as much effort as Cody Nicarima right now and don't even have this up yet, so give us okay, two I'll do, I'll, do Canberra, I'll do Canberra, mate. <laughs> so, Canberra's team. So, at my boy at fullback there, Charnsicle Clockstad. On the left wing, Nick Kodtrick with Jared Co- Croker at left centre. On the right side, you've got Leipana with Joey Leilua and Jordan Rapana. In the halves, Jack White and Sam Williams. Now, the forwards, Josh Papali, Dunamis Louie are the props with Josh Hodgson at hooker. The back row, you've got John Bateman, who should take a spot up on the right edge, Elliot Whitehead on the left edge, and Ryan Sutton at lock. On the bench, Saliva Havili, uh, Hudson Young, Cia Soliola, and JJ Collins, formerly JJ Felice. Uh, the reserves, Aiden, Caesar, Corey Horsberg, Jack Murchie, and Bailey Simonson. There's a lot of likeable people in this team. I know. I know. I have a bit of a soft or a hard spot for them. <laughs> <laughs> Rightio, uh, at the Broncos, we've got at fullback, the second person who shall not ever be named on this podcast. Uh, Corey Oates, Katoni Staggs, Jack Bird, Jermaine Asako make up the centres and wingers wherever they want to play, who cares at this point. Anthony Milford, 5'8", Cody Nicarima is wearing a number 7 jersey. Also 5'8". Yeah. Has, has the digit 7 on the back of his shirt, will also just do what he wants. Uh, Payne Haas, Joe Offengawi in the front row with Andrew McCulloch pretending to play hooker. Alex Glenn, Matt Gillette, second row. David Feeder is going to be, well, he's named it lock. 
see what happens there. Interchange of Jamat Shibasaki, Jaden Sua, Thomas Flegler, and Patrick Carrigan. With reserves of Sean Fensom, Patrick Margot, James Roberts, and Richie Kenner. Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of likable players in that Canberra team. But you know what the worst thing about looking at it is? It's like they also have a flawed team with custard halves. <laughs> but they are winning games on pure effort and defense. And a good fullback. Yeah, I love me, love me some chance. But yeah, you look across it, you know, they've, they're, even the bench isn't very impressive. Hudson Young, C.S. Oliola and J.J. Felice and Sleeve Havili, not sorry, J.J. Collins, not much there. But they're just getting so much out of, like, Papali, Bateman, Whitehead. Sutton's actually improved a bit too. And then you're getting a lot out of, like, Heats out of Nickel Klockstad. And you get the usual yardage out of Cottridge and Rapana. Like, they, the attack hasn't been good this year, but they're just getting so much out of their defense and out of the guys they brought in as well. Like, they just look like a complete different team to us. Like, that's the reverse of what we are. They shouldn't be as good as they are. Yeah, I'm, I'm just ready too for also Leipana to like score the most arsiest try you've ever seen against us. That's a guarantee. Well, you, as we do like giving up a million offloads, you're going to have one of those occasions where Lulu's got like seven people on him, but no one's holding the ball. <laughs> he just yeah. don't flick a great offload to Rapana. So I reckon we bring in Fensum for the res- re- revenge game factor. Well, I think we should too. Like Matt Lodge is out of this game with a throat injury. Who knows where that came from? But without Matt Lodge, you look at and we've also had Pangai out. You look at our forward pack in this game. The average age is like they could could they even get into a pub if they lined up together. <laughs> like, uh. like you look at it, it's like you know you've got starting like Haas off Hangawa and Fafita apparently starting in the middle with the bench middles being Sua, Flegler, and Carrigan. Like that's you know a combined age of about twenty seven, like it, would, it just and not you know obviously experience the young pack's been good as well but experience brings some of those effort plays and honest I honestly would have Fensum in the team this week. I mean it can't go worse. Yeah, it can't. Like it's one of those things at the back end of a game when the game opens up. It's I just love him on there for the last like fifteen twenty, just being the third man in on tackles and cleaning up around the ruck, you know. <laughs> Not that, not hard. That's all I'd love. But yeah, apparently James Roberts is playing, which is which is good too, though. So I guess he'll slot in for um, Stags, and Stags goes back to the fourteen. Every second idiot on the internet read one Molly article and decided Roberts was going down there, and him being on the out of the team when he was going to uh, to Souths. But now he's back in. Does that mean he's not going to Souths? I don't know. Rubbish. Yeah, I I'm not too worried about any of that. Like whatever players. Some of them will leave, some of them won't. That's football. Oh, mate, like, in the end, like, I, I don't want to lose Roberts. I love James Roberts, but it's not like we haven't got a replacement there. But it's just the, the stupid thing the club's just going to let him go, like, four weeks into the season. <laughs> but he used to play there, mate. He when did. He was 13. And, and his life went off the rails there. And, and, he, and Wayne. And Wayne, mate. Oh, Wayne. yeah. Like, all the players I'll who followed Wayne last time, like Darius Boyd. <laughs> now, here's a slightly happier topic, but how yeah. good is it how much Broncos fans love Wayne Bennett right now? <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't it funny? The amount of people that I, I argued with last year who are now only five rounds in are like, shit, what have we done? Like, yeah, what a shock. It's great. Yeah, it's like, what a surprise that the blokes that won, what, seven premierships barely missed the finals in his whole career. Yeah. Like, done good stuff wherever he's gone at club, rep, state of origin, international levels. Like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's, he's a good coach. 
got this busted ass squad to, to the finals last year and one win off first and beat the Roosters twice. Got this busted ass squad there. Don't even look close right now. Six and zero against top four teams not named the Storm last year. Like you know, yeah. that's that's not too bad. It's not. It's not. And like. You know, last year our problem was we didn't get up for the shit games. We don't get up for any game this year. <laughs> so I guess we fixed that problem of not, you know, the, the you know, Seabold came in and wins that we were too inconsistent. We'll fix that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, the wrong I've way. got a, um, there's a bloke here, he's an American fan, but yeah. I chat to him every now and then. And he, so he got an uh, issue of big league sent over to him. Yes. Um, and he said, there's a quote here from Seabold that he wanted to share with me. He said, what we're trying to do is close the gap between our best days and our worst days. He said, well, he's done that. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he listens, doesn't he? Uh, uh, get him to DM me, mate. If he wants more big legs, I get a couple of free ones every week. I don't I do not do anything with them, but I can send them over. Right, yeah. I'll, so if you're listening, I'll mate, just hit, hit us up in the DMs. I'll send you some big legs if you're interested. There yeah. you go. And no one else, so not the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my DMs. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just uh, this is the game. Like I don't even have the energy to really predict anything for this game. I, I honestly, like, we might win because we don't. No one thinks we will. And maybe because last week, no one thought we'd win, or we thought we should win against the Tigers with lots of pressure on them. At this point, I think everyone thinks we suck. So there's not even any pressure on them anymore. Maybe that'll do something. <laughs> I mean, the way I would have gone. A few weeks back with this game is I would have predicted we'd win. Like we usually do well against the Raiders. We do, you know. But I, at this point, Raiders are also a different side to they are previous years. Their defense is ridiculous. They, are they the best defense in the comp at the moment? Points wise, yes, they are. They are. They are um, the best defense in the comp, and also they've only, they have cause they've held team two teams to zero already. They've conceded I mean, forty four points, mate. We've conceded one hundred and fifteen, but forty four points between five games of rugby league is ridiculous. Best defense versus the worst attack, you know that. Thank hey, goodness whoa, whoa, whoa. we got Harvin Tony. We're not, Pen- we're not Penrith. We're not Penrith. <laughs> oh, second, second worst. Sorry, but thank goodness we got Harvin Tony in to fix our attacking disaster. <laughs> yeah, mate. Thank God he's coming to sort it right out. We had so many problem scoring points last year. <laughs> and you are right. We have, we've beaten the Raiders. We haven't lost to them since uh, 2013. So we had quite a strong record against them, and we've had a couple of games against them. Like last year, we started what we we're down sixteen nil at half time, and we had that Milford second half that was a fantastic performance. We had the the, the Maranta try a few years ago against them, but we've had many a game we've been pretty pretty comfortable against them in that in that period. But uh, yeah, I don't think this is going that same way. This Canberra team is playing a level of football that I don't think they'd be capable of in terms of their defense and 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 their application to their defense. Yeah, no, good on them. Something, somebody's figured it out down there. Yeah, I mean, I think I've pulled it out before, but the stat is like only like four of the teams with the best defense in the comp haven't made the grand final in NRL era, and only like another four of those haven't won the grand final. Generally, the best defense goes on and wins, makes makes the grand final or wins the comp, which shows you again, defense is the way that way this comp goes. And the Raiders are the only team who scored more points than us through the period Wayne was back at the back at the club, and even they've figured it out. Hey, you know what? Our team's probably good enough to score some points anyway. Let's just defend really well and points will come. And that's what they did against Parramatta. All they did was play aggressive and defended well and force a lot of mistakes out of, out of Parra with their line speed and their defense. And it looked like a simple game for them all of a sudden again. They're not trying so hard. They're not, you know, trying to 15 offloads to score points. When you're ahead by 12 and defending well, it's pretty easy, actually, rugby league is. But we can't get in that spot. But that's not even rugby league. That's every sport at every level is defense. Yeah. Like, people say defense wins champions. 
championships. You hear people say that about soccer, NFL, like hockey, everything. Like, I've played touch games where we know you're coming up against a hard team, but we know we can keep them to two or three points. And you're like, yeah, we're going to score more tries than that. Like, but, you know, defend well, keep them to that, and you win. Like, it's, again, it's just another thing that is literally a worldwide, like, rule of nature, and we can't get this right. We can't, and it's and it's one of those things, like, I get Seabar wants to do his, his attacking revolution bullshit or whatever, but it's like, that can come. You win games on your defense early, and it's like, well, we've conceded 22, 10, 25, 36, 22. You're not winning games conceding over 20 points. You're just not, consistently. Especially when our attack's so inept now anyway. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Not only is it defense, but defense creates this great thing called scoreboard pressure, which never gets enough credit, but... When teams start chasing, just like if you see us play, for example, chasing the Roosters, they go to shit. <laughs> when teams start chasing, scoreboard pressure is created by defense. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's probably only two teams that don't crack under that scoreboard pressure, and you got the Roosters and the Storm at the moment. You know, that's like, it. And both of them have about seven leaders in their team. It's very different to our team. Yeah, and like we saw that a bit back, like 2015 with the Cowboys, where they would just be behind all the time. Tamalolo would come back on for his second stint. JT's there. Yeah, they knew they had if they just played well, played consistent, you know, hit their KPIs, they were going to come back and win the game. And they, you know, they often did. Yeah, but again, there's not many teams that can do that. You get behind and you just start throwing the ball around and dropping the ball, and it just compounds. Well, the Storm did that last week, hey, against the Cowboys. You still, the whole, the whole game, you're confident the Storm were going to win. And they're getting against the Bulldogs as well. They had those comeback wins. But you just know, because they're just so dedicated and methodical to, to their ways. Like, the last week against the Cowboys in that first half, the Storm couldn't hold on to the bloody ball. They completed, like, five sets in the whole half, but you still knew going to halftime, you're like, oh, it's okay, they'll, they'll win. They'll just churn their way back into this game and get there. Yep. Whereas for us currently, see, we just compound our problems. <laughs> yeah, it's just the best way. It is. It is. And I'll, mate, I'll tell you what's really sickening with me, by the way, is bloody Phil Gould is talking us up and feeling sorry for us now. No, I don't care. Get him in the CEO. Paul White can go. I'd take Phil Gould. <laughs> I don't care. Get Mitchell Moses too. Get them all. I, whatever. Well, I was saying that in the off-season with people with Moses. We were both saying that. People were hitting us up on Twitter. I'm like, mate, I'd actually take him. Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> like, take him over Cody. Like... <laughs> Um, I mean, I wouldn't take Mitchell Pierce now, but I would have taken Mitchell Pierce under Wayne Bennett too. Yeah, yeah, I don't want Pierce, but at least like Mo- again, Moses is like has his games. We've been laying some flat tracks. Has his games, and when he wants the ball, at least he bloody demands a fucking ball. He screams. I mean, child. we know Moses. <laughs> Moses stands up when his Fords are winning the battle, and our Fords do do that most. Well, not most, yeah. a lot of the time. So yeah, it probably would suit him. Yeah, it would. God, I'm scrolling through some stats while we're talking here, by the way. We have... let's talking about offloads we conceded, for example. We have the, the... So that's ineffective tackles is what leads to offloads. We have the number one in the comp, number two in the comp, number three in the comp, and number six in the comp in terms of players who've had the most ineffective tackles. So that's nice. The most offload is conceded. God, we suck. Definitely a recipe for success. Yeah. By the way, we've also forced like no dropouts this year too as well. We just don't do anything. Like, we don't do anything, this, apparently this is bloody, you know, we've got this amazing game management, this game plan we're going towards, this strategy, whatever, it's like, uh, have I seen any of it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how soon can we sack Seabold, though, really? 
Uh, it's, it's not like, I, like it's years. <laughs> it's years. It's I also at this point as well. It's a lot of it to me is on Paul White and uh, and Carl Morris and Peter Nolan, the guys who put this together. You know. Yeah, I mean, you don't really want to put together a squad of off the cuff ad lib players and then pick the coach that's the opposite of that. Yep, and then also you you know re-sign half the team for about seven years and then sack the coach they like. No, we only re-signed <laughs> either the really, really young people that haven't proven anything or the people that have debilitating injuries. <laughs> yeah, we didn't re-sign Corey Hose for four years or Pango for four years or Joe Ho for four years. Just just Matt Gillette <laughs> and Darius Boyd. <laughs> just, yeah, and McCulloch for four years as well. But, oh. uh, yeah, that's great. Just the old ones with debilitating injuries or Pango Hose for about the rest of the century. <laughs> Payne Haas till like thirty eighteen. Yeah. Who yeah. looks good but also looks like, you know, by by about three he's probably been in prison with his stupid like drunk oh. drink driving offences. Okay. <laughs> that he's rounding out the top five. You got McCulloch and Payne Haas <laughs> are both in the top five of dumbest people. Like Yeah. Oh my god. Clearly good at rugby league, but just an idiot. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely the new Fafita. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't like wouldn't tell the integrity unit what he's like what someone he's a friends with did. Like the integrity unit was the cops. <laughs> like you're not you're not dobbing him into the cops, you idiot. Uh, and then gets pulled over with expired L's, wasn't it? Or texting with two hands. He was driving texting with two hands. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> not many steps removed from like putting his phone in the microwave to recharge it because he's seen a four chan meme like. And the funniest thing, Sim, of all that, by the way, is that he only got six months suspended. That's how shit our system is in this country. He got like a $300 fine and six months suspended. It's like, mate, he was driving suspended. He was already L's, suspended. On his L's. <laughs> on the way to training, too, by the way, with, with two hands on the phone when he was driving the car. Six months. Uh, I feel safe on the roads now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, should we get on to Game of Thrones Weekly? Because, come on, this, what are we going to say about this team right no, now? No, we got, we got some thoughts here. Oh, yeah, we've we got questions or thoughts. Yeah, let's do that. Sorry, people. Um, righto, from David Ryland on Facebook. He says, They say that if nothing if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Let's see how the boys go this weekend, but they're running out of time. What do you think will be the first big change? <sighs> Mate, I honestly think the first big change won't be Darius. I think it'll end up being Nicarima at some point. And I think they'll go with Did and not O'Sullivan. That's 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 a feeling in my waters. But it's at this point, like again, if we lose, like say we lose the next two games, you're gonna throw throw an 18 year old in there and go, look, mate, you save it, <laughs> you fix it. <laughs> <laughs> like really? Yeah, I mean, do we have? Is there any games up soon that we have a big turnaround like here? I don't. We rarely, really, we do generally get consistent turnarounds. But we rarely get turnarounds like this, as you'd know, because of all the Sunday. So we play next week. We have a six-game turnaround. We go to Saturday, then we go straight back to the bloody Thursday Friday night cycle. After that, love it. But we do have. So we have round twelve. Our Origin boys. So we play the Saturday against the Warriors, and we don't play to the following Sunday. So it's like a you know. 15 day turnaround but, but if we're not making changes by round 12 we're still playing this bad I couldn't care less about what we're planning to do over that turnaround yeah I mean I'm already right on that point of not caring so yeah 
Oh, it would, well, we've had ten days right now. If any, if any, if there's any hope at all to the boys apparently taking to this new genius method of trying to score points in rugby league or whatever, the ten days now is the only time it's going to uptake during the season. Uh, from Michael, he says, any chance Darius will go to the Bunnies now that GI has retired? Nope. If they wanted him, they'd have him already. There's zero chance of that happening. Yeah, I mean, also like. Wayne Bennett might like the bloke, but I don't, Wayne Bennett's not a terrible coach. You can see how cooked Darius is. He's not going to be trying to pull him into his own side. Like, he's only pushed every bad old Bronco ever. <laughs> he's only pushed them all into retirement. Wayne early. Bennett literally sacked Wally Lewis, and you think he's going to like go out of his way to get Darius this Darius Boyd into his side? Like, yeah, that's Mate, not happening. Gi lasted three games with a sore shoulder under Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you think he's going to take Darvs on now? No. <laughs> um, from Dean when do we get new halves <laughs> they have had a year not working laughing stock of the NRL I don't know I'm at this point mate I love Milford I couldn't care who got dropped at this point though yeah I, I mean something different people know my opinion I think Milford's better of the two of them but you just you can't have both of them you need one or the other at this oh, you know whatever. Milford's better by a distance to me oh, the people will focus on the one nice run Nick Roma has and go oh look he did something that Milford didn't it's like, Nick Roma does nothing else the rest of the game though well I think half of the argument for Nick Roma over Milford is the price like say yeah. you move on Milford and you you know you got a cheaper player in Nick Arima, yeah. but I'd rather have Milford and you know what happens then? He goes to another club, he carves up, and we hear about it for seven years. <laughs> Set us back a decade, that would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Cameron, he says, NBA MVP, Giannis or Harden? Also, is Lou Williams the greatest sixth man ever? Uh, so, Giannis, obviously, and it's also got nothing to do with I have a lot of money on it. <laughs> but Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, like, so, over the All-Star break, for some reason, one of those new betting companies, PointsBet, Shark Sponsor, they had Giannis down at three dollars eighty to win the MVP. Still, that was at the All Star break, and in preseason he only opened at like four dollars. So I put as they wouldn't let me put a lot on it. They limited me to hundred. I put a hundred on it there. Then I looked at sports bet. He was at it was like three dollars still there. So I put two hundred on him there. And I, I don't I like betting. I usually bet about twenty bucks. You know what I mean, but I was just that confident. So I'm like fuck, I load it up. So I'm all in on it. But he's got down yeah. to a dollar twelve or whatever. So I'm pretty certain he's the MVP. Uh, yeah, cheers for the tip there, mate. Mate, I did send it around to a few people, but how how far and wide have, got, have I got to send this? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just the person you speak to, like every day, every week. Well, it was the <laughs> off season. It was the off season. We have a break from each other. We were off the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, we're still kind of off the Broncos. So <laughs> yes, we're off them more now than we were then. Uh, radio uh, over on Twitter, Mister Underscore S Triple Eight. How do you rate the Nuggets' chances of getting past the first round after dropping a home game in round one? What is all these NBA questions? Well, another bet I'm going to tap myself for. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I get plenty wrong as well, but I did one futures bet in the NBA this year, which is like, because season's too long to do futures bets generally. But I um, but I did a futures bet of three teams to, um, to like finish top of their division, which was the Raptors, the Nuggets, and the Bucks. And it sounds easy now, but the, the, the Raptors... So Nuggets were $4.50 to start of the year. The Bucks were th- uh, 2 something, and the Raptors were $3.00 something because the Raptors have the Celtics. The Nuggets have the Thunder in their divisions. But anyway, it ended up being 31-1, to 1, and I only put 20 on that one. I won that. 
but what I'm getting to is that I rated the Nuggets in preseason. I rated them throughout the year, but they the their whole all all season I was thinking if they finish in the top two or three, they are in the line to get beaten in the first round by one of those veteran teams that's going to finish in the bottom half of the of the playoffs. So. The Spurs is possibly the worst match matchup they could have had in the round one. That that wasn't, you know, obviously the Thunder. Sorry, obviously the Warriors. I think the Spurs are a terrible matchup. They're equal at one all today. So the Nuggets, the Nuggets, you know, still favourites to go through. But I think the Spurs will take them to seven at least. They'll get there. Yeah, I know almost nothing about the NBA, so. Yeah, well, it's like it's like when it's like running into the old experienced team. I don't know who who's the example. I don't know. There's not really any in the NRL. The experience doesn't last long enough. Oh, it's like playing the Sharks in the finals, and you've got like I don't know. You're, you're the Penrith side from like three years ago. You're like, well, you're not beating them. You're just not yeah, beating that game. <laughs> it's one of those teams where they're going to show up. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to play consistently at their level. They're going to play well, and yeah. you've just got to play better than that. And the young teams like first big year, you know, on the big stage, it's just hard to back it up every every, every game in a seven game series. Uh, Radio from at Brocco. Uh, how fun is it to watch Hunt and Normie go so well? I hate Corey Norman. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> people, no fun there. people were saying about that. Oh, there was all the usual. Shouldn't have let them go. Blah blah blah. But like we know what those players are. Like people are happy to have. You know how great is these players, but they're not saying anything that ev- the next four weeks when they're doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, again, me and you were always in Camp Ben Hunt before he left, and then when he left, we got the shit because everyone else decided to join it after he left. After everyone wanted him out, people were happy when he got dropped that one week in reserve grade. We don't forget, but um, yeah, they got to play the Bulldogs this week. Calm down, Corey Norman is meh. I just I haven't I haven't missed him like one second since he left at no, all. Neither. Neither. Ben Hunt I missed, but again, we've been to this so many times, like, we just couldn't keep him on that salary. And good on him for getting paid. And, and like, again, you, you'll you be happy to celebrate Ben Hunt when they bash the Bulldogs by 40, but even when they, they beat us in Golden Point, or they played the game after in Golden Point, Ben Hunt wasn't the one getting the bloody ball, and people keep saying about Milford, well, if you're getting that money, why aren't you getting the ball? Ben Hunt's the same thing, mate. Uh, Jared underscore underscore S. Can we just skip this week, fellas? <laughs> yeah, well, the boys, uh, the boys did that last week, it seems, so maybe we should skip And the week too. before. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, Osport Matters. Can we just give South Jet now in hope they will go gentle on Oates and TBJ? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question, actually. Would you sacrifice Jimmy to keep TPJ and Oates? Uh, with Stags there, yeah, if we keep Stags. Yeah, look, obviously I'd want to keep all three of them. I'm huge on Jimmy. He has two years left on his contract after this year too. But if it was like, that was it. If we could sacrifice Jimmy and not lose TBJ and Oates, I'm about it. You may be onto something there. Maybe we make but, a peace deal. <laughs> I mean, but the question, I reckon I'd say yes, whichever way around. If you're like, oh, okay, they can have TPJ and you keep Jimmy and Oates. Like, I also am not opposed to that. Are you saying so, Oates to the back row? <laughs> no, I just... Keep him wherever you want, but I just think, like, obviously it's a better situation for us if you lose one player and keep two, so... Uh, what if we can lose two players and they're going to and keep none? <laughs> can we get I mean, this into a deal somewhere? If, if we're giving away players, I've got about 13 to go to the Warriors, so... <laughs> yeah, come on, Kearney, help us out, bro. You, we, had, uh, we, we reformed you up in Brisbane. Cody, mate, you need a, you need a six... 
You've got your heart back in Blake Green. Cody you need a marquee, marquee half, mate. The Kiwi, the Kiwi people can get behind their, their exactly, nation's mate. halfback. And then when Isaac Luke leaves, you also have a backup hooker in Nikarima as well. It just makes a lot of sense. Uh, Righto, James K underscore thirteen twelve. He says, "What even is rugby league anymore?" It's not for me. That's what it is. <laughs> um, from Damo underscore O'Hags, what is all this Seabold talk this Arvo about round eight? Oh, that's not come from anywhere, has it? I don't know. You saw this as well, didn't you? It got shared a couple of days ago, like on a Facebook page or something. That he's going to reassess the spine on round eight. Did you see that? Yeah. Like, it's not actually come from anywhere, has it? I heard of, like, uh, someone told me it might have come from that Ben, um, there we go, that fucking, that Ben Dobbo bloke, that that fat mess <laughs> who's got no idea what he's talking about. Uh, like, right, yeah. well. Like, why would, I don't know, there'd be something in rocks, you have to have rocks in your head if you're just going to, like, I won't assess the things that's going terribly until round eight. I'll tell you what, round eight is going to be very much like a movable force meets a stoppable object with like Wayne Bennett can never beat his previous teams and but also yeah. the Broncos so you know yeah. it will be interesting yeah, let us wait till we're 1-7 until we, till we assess how things are going why not uh, Danny Boy 1995 says how many points will our boys beat the Bulldogs by uh, it, it depends I think the Bulldogs are now back to the low effort Bulldogs so we got them the next couple of weeks we pound them because anyone's going to pound them in the next few weeks but they're going to have those peaks and troughs throughout the year when they give a shit. <laughs> um, so catch one of them. I'm just checking the draw, but I'm pretty sure the Souths are playing. Yeah, Souths oh, are playing the Bulldogs. I was like, if we were going to play the Bulldogs. Oops. No, it's oh. the Souths. Yeah. Oh. The Souths. I mean, well, they can call, they're going to do the, the thing we did, right, with Wayne. Is like, they're, not going to ta- they're not going to take this game very seriously and only win by like 12. <laughs> they should pound them. <laughs> They're just going to cruise to it. Like they've got Kyle Turner in the centres, for Christ's sake, this game. Um, Rightio, well, we all knew these were coming, but butsy has got a few here. Yeah. <laughs> you mother... Uh, <laughs> oh, he would have loved this episode. Oh, so yeah, you, this is his yeah. favourite episode ever. You, you send me a big league magazine, Butsy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, rank worst to first. Darius Defence, McCulloch's Service, Falau's Socials and Westbrook Shot. Okay, worst to first. Jeez. Jeez, so my options are Darius defense, Westbrook shot, Falau socials, McCulloch service. Okay. Uh, worst is Darius's defense. Yeah, you agree? I mean, there's just a murderous row here of terrible things, really. So. There is, there is. Okay, worst. Uh, second worst is McCulloch service. Yeah, third worst is Falau. Falau's social takes, and the best thing there is Westbrook shot, and that's saying something <laughs> in this group. Um, I mean, this is probably a fairly unpopular opinion, but I just I can't stand Westbrook. Eh? I just think we're gonna fight tomorrow. <laughs> this is this is my take on Westbrook. He got left by Kevin Durant. And he's just happy to sit there in a small market team and bitch about everyone that left him. And he wants to be the big dog in the small pond. And, like, everyone wants to love him because he's averages a triple-double for a little bit. Like, whatever, mate. Like, go join a real team and actually challenge for a premiership, championship, instead of, like, sitting out there in Oakland and doing nothing. Uh, Oklahoma, not Oakland. Uh, Counterpoint, it's pretty sick. 
Yeah, I can't stand him. He's like, he's a dead set sympathy merchant. That's what he is. Sympathy? He doesn't want sympathy. He's definitely. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's definitely got that overly competitiveness that I'm a big fan of. Does love a triple double. Loves a triple double. Lives so on. Stat padding fraud. That's what he is. Essentially runs the franchise. Like if you speak to any of the beat reporters there, and he like literally like runs the joint. He did whatever he fucking wants. He's a baller, and he's got a he's got Oklahoma City by the balls because they don't like those kind of teams can't keep stars. But you may say go join a real team. Well, he got Paul George there. Paul George stayed. And, like, that's good enough. Though Oklahoma City, if if Russ wasn't there now, they'd have nothing. Mate. Two stars in one team was good in the NBA in the nineties. Like you need four now. I know you do. I know, but like, not every team can win the thing. I enjoy them. <laughs> I enjoy Russ. I enjoy Russ's intensity. I do also think there's a massive problem that whilst he seems to run the whole joint, he does take way too many shit shots. That is a problem. But mate, got to get that triple it. double somehow. Yeah, you got to get to ten points first. Don't you? <laughs> it, might, it might take forty-five shots, but you got to get got to get to ten. Uh, the best thing West uh, Westbrook did was when he abused that fan and his wife like three weeks back. That was like the best thing he's done all year. That was good, but he was going to end his wife as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, for Butty again. Given Michael Cheekham's propensity to abuse Uber drivers, when can we expect the broadcast, the podcast, to change the name to Rideshare Weekly? <laughs> <laughs> Rideshare Weekly. Uh, uh, and lastly here from Butsy also, he said, since your team stinks now, can you just dissect <laughs> Game of Thrones for an hour, discussing Sansa, Tyrion, Hodor, and are they all smarter than Tony of Harvard? Yeah, look, before before we started recording again, we said, let's talk for half an hour, then spend the rest on Game of Thrones. Again, we've made it to an hour because <laughs> I'm a broken human, but Game of Thrones time is coming. <laughs> okay. For half the people that hate Game of Thrones, you can turn this off now. There's nothing but Game of Thrones. But I've got notes, so... But you know what they're going to do, though, Simo? They're going to listen and whinge about it. That's, that's what they do. They... Yeah, well, whatever. It's a free yeah. podcast. It is. Um, right, yeah. Well, what do you think? Um, I think you can definitely really feel that it's past the books now. And yeah. I absolutely hated the dragon scene. It's not how to train your dragon. I don't need to see the guy flying on dragons. And one of the cool things about really early season Game of Thrones for me is that they often said things and didn't show them. Like, you know, they tell you, oh, there's a big army over in this city or over there. There's this there, whatever. You didn't have to see it because it was a good story they were telling. You knew there was a big army. Like, I've seen people fly dragons on a million shit TV shows. I, have to okay. see, I don't have to see Jon Snow stuff fly the dragons. I don't have to see it. I'm so glad you said this because I have the opposite counterpoint here. Dragons are sick. Will... <laughs> is that what your counterpoint that, is? That's, that's, that's A. That's point A. But I will change your mind by the end of this, okay? Will you? Okay, I'm listening. Yeah. So, lots of people hated this scene. But so this is the first person other than her, I'm pretty sure, that's ridden a dragon, right? Yes. So, the dragons know who he is. They know he's Aegon and not John. When they're kissing and the dragons are staring, they're not staring at the two of them kissing. They're staring at John. Yes. And, like, so the whole scene there is not just that, like, they're riding the dragon. It's now that the dragons are John's dragons. No, 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 no. I get all of this, Simo. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't need to see the stupid flying the dragon scene. All I had to see is him get on the dragon and then that other scene. I don't need to see the joint part when they're, like, going through valleys and going, woohoo, like it's fucking Avatar. It's like 30 seconds. 
don't need to see it. That's just no, it's not good it was, storytelling for Game of Thrones. It's just not up to their standard. That's all. I hold it. I hold it at a high standard. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Everything else you see is very valid. The CGI scene for that scene, the budget is like more than the first three seasons combined. Yeah, it should have gone um, to the elephants, as, as Cersei said. It should have gone to the elephants <laughs> and the dire wolf. I wanted the dire wolf. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping the way it comes out with like. John being a Targaryen and all this. There's a few ways, but I'm hoping... Like, I don't know if Danny's going to get mad and command them to, like, attack him or something, and they won't. Like, there's going to become a time when it's more apparent to everybody that they're John's dragons and not her dragons. Um, another way that would be really cool is if he was, like, completely surrounded by White Walkers and a dragon just comes through and just burns the lot and he's left standing there in the middle of just dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, it's like, some, that would be cool. Well, that was that last scene was it was a good scene. I'm not a big fan of Fat Sam, but he was good in this episode. And it was like getting told that she killed your your dad and your brother. You're like, well, fuck you. Oh. I'm gonna go tell the guy the your sorry. I'm gonna tell gonna go tell your a nephew you're boning him and <laughs> you're related. He um, I forget the guy's name, the actor, but he nailed that scene. Like he did. You can see when she says, oh, I killed your dad, he was, like, obviously sad because he's dad, but there was, you could also just see of, like, you know, like, oh, good, don't have to deal with him anymore. And then yeah. when she's like, oh, I killed your brother as well, he's like, nah, 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 this is too much. Um, <laughs> you bitch. But what also was interesting is when, because he's like, oh, I need a pardon, right? And she's like, what for? And he's like, oh, I borrowed some books. And she's like, yeah, whatever, cool, a couple of books, whatever, I don't care. But, like, the book he took literally will screw her over like it's yeah. the book that says who john is yeah and so like i yeah it's just i didn't realize that until i was thinking about it later but that is such an important book really and she's like yeah cool take it have it i don't care and it's gonna it's gonna screw over and i'm gonna love it it's great and then also you have the situation where like john just keeps like failing upwards he's like he doesn't want to be, he's an idiot firstly john snow is <laughs> he doesn't want he to doesn't keep know anything idiot. He doesn't want to keep getting promoted, essentially. He's like that idiot at your workplace who keeps getting promoted. No one knows why. He doesn't want it, and it keeps happening. He's like, well, I'm not the king. I've bent again. It's like, sorry, mate, you're the king again. (laughs) At least he's competent at what he does, though. Like, that idiot at your workplace doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and as as, as uh, Sam said to him, it's like, we, and we all know what's coming. We all know she's not going to be the one who's going to do what Jon Snow did. She's not going to bend the knee to Jon Snow because the whole time through I've never been a Daenerys fan from day one haven't liked her she, people think because she's free slave whatever whatever she's some amazing leader she's not she's always been about her power her hunger, that whole destined power trip for the throne she yeah what she thinks she deserves yeah and then if she gets told what she's not that she's not that sorry <laughs> that ain't happening but uh and also um how just putting out there, how shit has Tyrion got? Like, once they've gone past the books, they don't know how to write this midget. <laughs> like, he's just like, doesn't do anything. He's just an idiot as well. I know, and he was one of the best characters, like, in all of literature. Yeah. And, and he's, yeah, just he's just boring a now. short person now. He's just a short guy who, like, he's around. He's there. He made a dick joke in <laughs> this episode, I guess. He has that oh, now. He's got to do that once an episode. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Just an idiot. Um... How creepy is Bron, though? Bran, sorry. Bran. Not Bron. He's just yeah, sitting I mean, there in the courtyard the whole time. 
just in the courtyard, except for that one time he like legged it somewhere else somehow. <laughs> and <then> was back <laughs> in the courtyard. I mean, he's like, guys, the army's coming. We have to act right now. There's no time to waste. And he's like, I'm just going to sit around here all day, like do nothing. Yeah, yeah. it is interesting because obviously we all know he knows kind of what's happening or the future. You can see the future. So it's it's um, obviously he's pulling the right strings at the right time. As, as we know and at least he's finally useful because I found his whole journey to becoming the Fair Raven boring as batshit but now at least he's finally doing something yeah I love how he's like oh I'm just waiting for an old friend and then Jamie shows up and it's like oh man <laughs> yeah and I also love I love Cersei down in King's Landing battling for, like celebrating a crown that nobody wants at the moment she's like this is so good I'm still queen I've got this shit nobody cares yeah, and like, <laughs> literally she's the only person left in the southern half of the whole continent like no one else cares. Telling yeah. him to earn it, then boning him half an hour later. Classic girl on Tinder move, by the way. Classic. I'm not so easy, uh, and then boning half an hour later. <laughs> and he just happened to be the only person left also in the southern yeah. end of Westeros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just interesting. What other notes you got there, mate? I know you've taken more notes of this than any Broncos game this year. <laughs> it's not hard to take more notes than zero, mate. So. Yeah, it is. Um... That last scene where they were in that house thing with oh, I forget that person that was like hung up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, that kid Umber, the Umber kid. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Oh, I thought it was great. Where oh, just the scene where he's like, "Stay back, he's got blue eyes," and he's like, "I've always had blue eyes." <laughs> yeah, but that was good. Just, I think it's just their attention to detail where they put something like that in because it's been two years since we've seen it. And then everyone remembers, oh, yeah, cool, the White Walkers have the blue eyes. And then it's, like, 14 seconds later, the kid's eyes open up in the background. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just something that triggers people's memory to, like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, that was, yeah. I thought that was great, though. Yeah, it is. It is great. And then that, it's weird how that, that spiral symbol's been a thing forever now, too. Yeah, also, have you seen... I, I've, I haven't seen all of it again, but I saw part of episode one again, the very first one, because yeah. people pointed out um, on Reddit that there was like a billion similarities between this episode and episode one. Yeah, there was. And it comes literally like everything from like the White Walkers massacred a whole heap of people and left symbols with body parts to the entrance of the like monarch you know king in episode one queen now and how that happens and Aya and like there's just like 500 different similarities of essentially the same scene but now yeah um but yeah i thought it was also interesting too uh somebody mentioned that essentially john snow went oh when he speaks to sam and he hears that he's now Aegon. But, like, he goes into the crypts and dies, essentially, as Jon Snow and comes back out as Aegon Six. Like, I just thought stuff like that is just cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, and... Oh, I forgot what I was to say. But, yeah, there's a lot of the similarities there, but it's all darker. That's one difference. Hey? Yeah, it, like, it is darker, yeah. Everything's darker. I do find it funny, by the way. It's like, the White Walkers are the only people who are, like, adhering to the speed of walking still. Everyone else can, like, speed travel everywhere. The White Walkers <laughs> are like, we've gone past the wall, but, mate... Two episodes and we'll get there. <laughs> Everyone else is <laughs> zooming around. Well, I saw even uh, something somebody said too where when John last saw Ned, Ned was like, oh, next time I see you, I will tell you about your mother. Yeah. 
and obviously he never saw him again but then like the next time he would see him was like in the crypts that time and that's when he finds out who his mother is just like stuff like that i just think is somebody out there is doing a good job of putting this show together yeah, I mean, obviously the source material not being there has made the show a little weaker than what it was, especially if you ask me. I just think it's still a fan t- what the best show on TV, but it's a little weaker because it hasn't got that rich source material to work on. But the best thing about it is that it always has felt like it's been planned. They know they're, they're working across, they're working along that timeline, and they've been patient with it. Like they took, you know, not a long enough time to make this last season perfect, and it's very rare that happens with TV now. Yeah. yeah. You know, in other in other worlds, they extend this series because it's going so well. They just find a way to make it go longer. <laughs> That's always the thing that kills TV shows. Is they just go one or two seasons too long. Yeah, HBO is good in, at accepting that. In the case of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, about six seasons too long. But, you know. <laughs> there was like seven funny episodes. <laughs> Honestly, see, you should that should have stopped at season two and a half. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah, they have, and they have some. That one of those. That's one of those shows. By the way, it's a good sitcom, but it really annoys you when someone puts it on the level of the great sitcoms. Like people mention it up there with even like a Workaholics or The Office US, even those ones or Veep. It's not on that level. Like this, it's a good sitcom, but it literally has two fat people in it, so it can make fat jokes. It ain't fucking genius. There's two like, fat and dumb people in it to make fat and dumb jokes. The problem I have with a lot of comedies is they just tell the same joke every episode, like. That's what, like, I mean, The Office has similar jokes, like how cringy Michael is and stuff like that, but they do it differently and, like, they change it up enough that it's still interesting. And, like, there's not many comedies I will watch the whole thing of, and The Office is one of those. Yeah, I agree. Brooklyn Nine-Nine's the kind of comedy that you can watch two episodes and then skip five seasons, and it's kind of the same story. Yeah, the other one of the great comedies is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Banger. Bang. And again, yeah, characters are supposed to be similar the whole way through, but you watch, like, a, a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, right, and it's, like, every time it's the same stuff that, like, Amy's the nerd, and there's Scully as an idiot, and Terry's a big muscle guy who likes yogurt, and the chief is never... The captain, sorry, never laughs or anything. It's the same stuff always, and Jake's silly, and the other guy loves Jake. That's all. That's it. That's the whole show. Whereas you go watch, you like, could- Always Sunny, and watch the evolution of, like, Mac through seven seasons. He's been... He's been in he gets fat one like, season. Yeah, and fat one season, gets fit one season. He's gay now. He wasn't gay. Like, a lot of character evolution. I mean, you <laughs> could put somebody down in front of an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and they could not... Unless you're, like, a f- super fan, you wouldn't be able to pick what season it's from. Like Exactly. Anyway, back to this show, this great show. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it is going to be... It's feeling weird for me now, though. And I'm, not, I'm ready for the show to end because the story has been told. We're at that point, but it's really weird that it's getting to this point now that there's... Probably the White Walkers are going to die, like, in, a, in an episode or two. They're all going to die. And that's weird to me. Forget me. It's been built up for yeah. six seasons. And it's got to this point, and I thought it was going to be, like, a whole long battle with the White Walkers or something. But now it's got to the point now, I feel like they're going to just have one episode, they'll have a war, and they'll die. Well, one thing I do like is it seems that they are, like, for this season, like, okay, there's, like, 83 things we have to tick off, and they're just, they're getting through the list. Like, there's quite a few things that happened in this episode. It was, like, John had to know. Um, there's something else I, I can't remember. But, yeah, they're just, you know, they're, they're making things happen. It's moving. And previous years, it would take three seasons, three episodes for that to happen. But, yeah, just, just this feels weird with the White Walkers being that 
constant, you know, the constant beat of the drum in the background, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, to to have that going for so many seasons, and it's going to be like, in my opinion anyway, it's going to end in an episode for them, it just feels weird. <laughs> you might even get an episode in a bit, like the end of one episode and then the whole next, like, if you imagine the the battle that was on the wall, yeah. Oh, I forget the name of the episode again, but um, like that was the whole episode, and I imagine they'll try to outdo that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, if, if you ask me, I think they'll have next episode, obviously, they'll tie some more loose ends. And then episode three or four will be the time where we have the White Walkers all die. And then I think there'll be another battle at the end for who the official ends up on the throne person is. I think at the end of the series, it's going to be, like, human versus human. I mean, Danny is, like, dead set going to become the villain of the story, right? Yeah, oh, she's been going that way the whole time, in my opinion. I've always said that to people, because they've, they've, they've tried so hard to make her look angelic. Yeah, whereas, and the like, more Jon you do Snow, that, the more you yeah. don't trust her. Yeah, whereas Jon Snow just happened to be a hero through all of it. They haven't tried to paint him as one, but even the way they dress Danny, she's always been white, and she's glowed, and she's really tried to say, look, there's the hero. But it's going to come down to actually know she's the selfish, crazy bitch with dragons <laughs> who just wants yeah. power. And she won't have the dragon soon, which will be great. Yeah, but the one thing it's good though. I do have no idea who ends up winning. I am, I am cheering on for Cersei. If that's what I'm cheering for, or I'm cheering for a weird form of Cersei Tyrion incest. You know, if I could get that, <laughs> if I get I mean, Tyrion heel turn. I mean, I, I don't think Jon Snow doesn't win. I just can't see it not being him. He keeps, he keeps falling up, doesn't he? But <laughs> so. I mean. The name of it all is A Song of Ice and Fire. He is ice and fire. Like, that's the two parts of him. It's his song. It's all about him. Like, I mean, really, the show has been about him without it saying that. It has been about him the whole time, right? It's essentially like you watch Star Wars and you get to the end of six episodes and you're like, oh, this is the story of Anakin Skywalker. And you get to the end of this and you're like, this is Jon Snow's story. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You've actually kind of nailed That's a good comparison You because you get to it here now and once you get the... The, the Targaryen explanation that's been buried since he was a bastard at the start. You start realising, oh, wait, this story's about this guy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You made, it a, is you a, made lot. a good point there. So, what we're saying there is. It's the first for uh, everything. Yeah, if you, get on, if you get onto one of your bookies now, is what, what Simo's saying, is you find your entertainment <laughs> markets, lock it in. <laughs> and don't come back here when you lose. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Let me look at Game of Thrones. Oh, no. It's not they haven't got the oh, they haven't got the bloody overall winner at this point. They have to ride a dragon in season eight on sports, but I know they had overall winner markets the other day. But no. Was what was to ride a dragon paying? Oh, he, the suspended Jon Snow, so you can't. He's obviously already paid out, but then they have yeah, other yeah, odds. But they I mean, have like three dollars. Bef- I don't know. They can't see, but have Tyrion Lannister's three dollars to ride a dragon? No, nah, that's not happening. <laughs> it's not. No one else is riding a dragon. He's too short. <laughs> they won't accept him. They they won't. I'm still going to find on someone else, but there has to be Game of Thrones odds on who's going to end up, end up on the throne. Let's have a look at this other one. One quickly one. This is great, great listening. But any, any more notes there, Simo, while I look at this? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty much done. Okay, here we go. So the odds on Bet Easy over all over Bet Easy. There, it's uh, that used to be Crown Bet. Anyway, they have Jon Snow slash Aegon Targaryen at three dollars twenty-five as the short price favorite, and then the next odds at four dollars is any child of Jon Snow slash Aegon Targaryen. I mean, if he was paying three dollars, 
Ah, that's that's printed money there. He, of course, he was going to ride a dragon. Yeah, but this is the real wrestle. Awesome saying, sorry, that's that one. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but anyway, sorry, but then, yeah. yeah, and then f- to to uh, the third price favorite is Brand Stark's five dollars. Brand. I like Brand's not even a thing anymore. No, like, that's he's the he's the third raven. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's not going to happen. I might put some money on John. Yeah, and um, so he was. Bram was the favourite when the season opened. By the way, I remember looking at that. Bram was the favourite, but three dollars twenty-five at John. I think you might have convinced me. You, you've, you've put a good line there. From I mean, and they also have they have other things. Daenerys' dragons. All the dragons to die is a dollar forty. So you're saying Daenerys is going to blow a three dragon lead? Yeah, she is. That's my favourite meme right now. By the way, it's so oh, yeah, funny for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, first character to die. Next one's Tormund. Apparently, people have got the favourite there. Oh, and then there's there's another market. Is Brand the Night King? A dollar seventy two for yes, two dollars for no. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure yes. Yeah. Oh, mate, which we mean you're going to clean up. <laughs> That's the way. I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm not going to go find it now, but I saw a funny thread that somebody wrote on the mountain, and because they were just saying about like his social interaction is impressive. Like he never gets spoken to. It's all just nods, and yet he knows what Cersei wants. Like he just understands what she wants. He's like the perfect bodyguard. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, if he was just your friend, I think he'd be. He'd notice if you weren't included in group situations, and he'd be able to find you a nice birthday present. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I hope he, we're still up for him in the hound fighting. Like, I'm keen for that. Yeah, it's going to happen. The game bowl, isn't it? That's soon. Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah, oh, mate there's, some, there's some great markets in here. Who, who, will there be a fourth dragon? A dollar twenty-five for no. That's printing money. I mean, surely. Yeah, not. I don't. Send me, send me these links. I'm going yeah, to put you, some money on. You're about, about to get rich, man. You make quick yeah, your yeah. job. <laughs> I'm going to be loaded. And then yeah. we're going to have to do this stupid podcast anymore. <laughs> we'll sponsor our own damn podcast. <laughs> but, mate, this is great. Another one is, like, who will destroy the Night King? They've got Arya Stark $1.50 to destroy the Night King. Well, I guess she's getting that. Oh, that's, that uh, if it's brand, made. maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah she's getting that, uh, that stabby thing made. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but whatever. But yeah, there are lots of odds there. I'll stop, I'll stop going into. Oh, there's, what will Brand walk into next? Great odds here. Dragon. Ten dollars for the ten dollars for the Night King. Five dollars for a dragon. Oh, Night King's a good shout. It is a good shout. Which is good. Right. You know, well. Anyway. Anyway. anyway I think we've let's done enough reading. Let's get rich. So. I think of me reading the betting odds off Ben Easy's page. <laughs> shout out to Ben Easy. Anytime you want to sponsor the podcast yeah, and make us leave it with guys. the dumb bets. We know <laughs> we tried to get you like three times on board already, but you know, this is the time. Mate, you can get a dollar tw- 126 to one to get hot pies who to, who to rule restaurants at the end. <laughs> I mean, isn't hot pie the real winner in all of this? Like, we all like some hot pie. They do. Dollar fifty uh, 151 for resurrected Ned Stark to come back at the end as a big upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll pass on that one. Maybe worth a dollar? Put a dollar yeah, maybe two, even. <laughs> okay, anyway, we'll let you guys get back here into some terrible rugby league over the weekend, but an exciting Game of Thrones episode on Easter Monday, no doubt. We'll yeah, be back next week. definitely keen. <laughs> okay, see you later, everyone. See ya. <laughs>